0: You're listening to the Regent College Podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Nick Corbin.
0: And I'm Claire Perini.
1: And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast.
0: Friends don't. (laughs) I want to start with friends. Today, we are talking about friendship. Yes. With two friends, uh, Cindy Alders and David Robinson. And I'll tell you a little bit more about them in a minute. But we were having a conversation with them about sort of the biblical, historical, theological, personal kind of aspects of friendship—friendship friendship with one another, friendship with God, mm. friendship through Christ. Uh, men and women, mm-hmm. married men, single women, yeah, friendship and some and friendship across boundaries and people who are not like right. us and what kind of the impact that that has on ethics and politics. So. Was It was a classic Regent conversation, Mm -hmm. multifaceted, interdisciplinary, I would say.
1: (laughs) It was a very enjoyable conversation. It was much more of an in-depth look than I would have gone to with friendship. But I was, yeah, I was really grateful that we had it. I think that they gave us a lot of different things to think about when it came to friendship. Mm
0: -hmm. Covenantal friendship. Yeah. And the costliness of friendship. Mm Um, and then how does, kind of, how does marriage and has, has one state of being being elevated over another right. state of being and how do we yeah. think about that? So Cindy and David are great people to help us think this through. So mm-hmm. Dr. Cindy Alders is the director of the John Richard Allison Library here at Regent and the assistant professor... of of the history of Christianity. She completed her doctoral studies at the University of Oxford, where her research focused on the spiritual lives and manuscript cultures of 18th century British women. And her thesis is coming out from Oxford University Press at some point. Uh, In addition to journal articles and book chapters, she's also author of To Express the Ineffable, To Express the Ineffable, The Hymns and Spirituality of Anne Steele. And her friend, Their friends, David Robinson, is a postdoctoral fellow in philosophy, theology and ethics, which is a position that's supported by the Canadian Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council. David's also the project co-leader for Regent Interface, engaging science in ministry and education, which is supported by the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And David's also uh, written a book called Christ and the Revelatory Community of Bonhoeffer's Reception of Hegel. So, um... You can see what we mean by it's a multifaceted conversation, Mm -hmm. so we hope you enjoy our conversation with Cindy and David. Cindy and David, welcome to the Regent College podcast. Welcome back to Cindy. Thanks, Claire. And welcome for the first time, David. First time. And friends who are listening, you can't see, but we are in the same room. Oh, It's so exciting. Not on a screen.
1: Yeah. Embodied. Embodied. I'm actually <laughs> physically looking at Claire and Cindy and David right now.
0: Nick and I have been in the same building for yeah. the last, you know, year doing yeah. this. How, is it a, I don't know, however long. Not not a year. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but we've never been in the same room. So this is, thanks for being our inaugural yes. in-person. Ah, it's exciting. Oh, thank inaugural, you. Whatever. It feel, um, feels all great. All the words. It feels great. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about friendship, which feels appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you just sort of start by telling us, did you ever have a childhood best friend? And if you did, what were they like? Cindy, why don't you pick yeah, us up? Yeah,
2: for sure. Um, I did have a childhood best friend. Um, a couple of them. Uh one named Allison, who I met when I was eight and had just moved from um from the Vancouver area to Kelowna. Um mm-hmm. and uh I, I think that what first drew us To each other was that you know we'd gone shopping with our moms separately um, before that first day of school to get our first day of school clothes Mm -hmm. and Allison and I showed up wearing the same dress I still remember it it was brown and corduroy and there was a bit of ruffle it was amazing
0: Um, brown corduroy that's (laughs) that's a beautiful thought
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so Allison and I um we became best friends and um and like went through school together up through high school, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, just spent a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And and we were quite alike, not only in dressing alike, <laughs> but um, we were both bookish children. Oh. bookish, which is a good word, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we were quite the keen little students, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, yeah that. That
0: was sort of forged a bond. your friendship, yeah. 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 How about you, David? Childhood best friend,
3: right? So I'll go for childhood with the age of my daughter currently, which is six years old. Mm-hmm. And around that time, I was living in a, a house on a, a street where my parents were praying for friends for me. So it seemed like it was something that was was needed at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the family that moved in next door, I remember the the, the time, and my mom went through this with me. Uh, They were waiting at the window, praying for, you know, a friend and uh, they saw one boy and called it out. And then two boys, three boys, four boys. So this collective, it really wasn't a best friend, but this group, um, mm-hmm. and of course the criterion for me at the time, and in some ways still is for friendship is shared activity. And oh, yeah. so we love doing things together. I learned to ride a bike, uh, mm-hmm. with these young men mm-hmm. and, uh, it was wonderful. And mm-hmm. the eldest, especially was kind and willing to train me and all the rest. Mm-hmm. So learned a lot from them. And I also appreciate they came from Mauritius mm-hmm. and my parents really encouraged, uh, cross cultural friendships with mm-hmm. us as children. And that carried on through my uh youth and into my adult life. My mom worked with Intervarsity Christian Fellowship, uh, specifically with the International Student Friendship Program. And so we would regularly have students from other cultures joining us for yeah. Canadian holidays and so on. So that that has played an important role in how I think about friendship right. now.
1: Yeah. It's crazy how it formed you as such a young person as well. How did you two become friends?
3: Right, well, we were actually students together at Regent College Mm. uh, back when. And I was a bit intimidated by Cindy at the time because Mm. of course she was a, Uh I was newly an (laughs) MA candidate. And I hadn't yet chosen my concentration. I think I switched concentrations eventually. But she had uh, the letters THM by her Mm -hmm. name. She was a THM candidate. And so she was a a paragon of resolution. And Mm -hmm. and she Mm. she made her decision, was pursuing a thesis. And also she was on staff with admissions, I think, which made her part of the center of power in the institution as far as I was concerned as a new student. This is how I got in. (laughs) And so... uh, Uh, You know, Aristotle says that there needs to be a certain equality of social standing uh, Mm -hmm. between friends, and it probably would have been impossible at the time. However, Uh (laughs) (laughs) we don't go with Aristotle the whole way. um, (laughs) There is that dynamic. Uh, But thanks to wonderful contingencies uh, of history. I then uh, inhabited the faculty office of someone who uh, is a friend of Cindy's and, and was at the time. And yes. so Cindy had a habit of coming by the office regularly. And I think the first couple of times she came up just by default. <laughs> uh, but I eventually was able to, yeah, develop a friendship out of that. So yeah. I'm really grateful for mm-hmm. how that's come around. Yeah. Beautiful.
2: Me too. Yeah. In And David is right. I think that the first number of times that I went by, his office. Um, you know, I was revisiting, uh, the place, the office where my friendship with Ashley, um, mm-hmm. had been formed and, and, uh, took place for a, a couple of really good years, mm-hmm. um, before Ashley went off to Oxford to take up a postdoc there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and I missed him a lot when he left. Um, and it, in fact, I actually said to Ashley, When um, he he told me that he was leaving Regent to go to Oxford, I said, it's going to be very hard to like whoever replaces you. Um, And and that became difficult to live out when I learned that David um, was going to replace Ashley in that office. Um, So I'm glad that I gave him a chance. (laughs) Because... um, Yes, when I go by the office now, it is—it's all about David. Yeah, <laughs> love it. It's
0: great. Um, so we 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 had a retreat a few weeks, a few months. Look, let's go with weeks.
2: Yeah, let's a Yeah,
0: back. Um, and you both helped us sort of delve into this idea of friendship historically and biblically and theologically and personally. And mm-hmm. it was a it was a great opportunity for us. But I thought we'd kind of just sort of think a little bit about um. Do you want to – how do you sort of – let's think about the biblical kind of side of stuff. How do you see relationships in Scripture playing, displaying kind of either the correct outlook or experience of friendship? So, like, Cindy, you talk about Ruth and Naomi. Yeah. Um, there's Jonathan and David kind of get brought up as friends. Yes. Just talk to us about that and the kind of a biblical outlook on friendship.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um happy to. Uh, as a historian, um, I'm often drawn to – Um, not the best known people. So not the the great leaders or so-called great minds of history, but um, more marginalized Mm. figures in history whose lives might be undocumented, Mm. um, who aren't as well-known. And so when I turned to the Bible to to think about friendship, I think it was sort of natural for me to go to Ruth and Naomi Mm. who were marginalized in in a number of ways um they were uh women mm-hmm. they were widows mm-hmm. and um Naomi was an old woman and Ruth was a foreigner triply marginalized mm. marginalized um and and I think that they do have uh some profound lessons for us um they the friend their friendship was one of total commitment um yeah. which we don't do very well mm. today um ruth vowed to stay mm. with naomi mm. when when naomi decided to return to israel in her poverty and in her grief as a widow um that was that was a that was a, a That was a costly choice for mm-hmm. Ruth, um, a difficult choice. And um because as a Moabite, she would she would not have received a warm welcome in mm-hmm. Israel, certainly. Um scripture tells us that Ruth clung to Naomi. And mm-hmm. and the verb, uh the Hebrew verb for clung is actually um the same that's used for marriage in Genesis, where we read therefore shall a man cleave unto his wife. Mm. So we're talking about like, this is steadfast love. This is serious yeah. covenantal love. Yeah. And Ruth um, vowed to be with Naomi, even unto death. So I think that that is a, a really important mm-hmm. um, uh, lesson for us, something for us to to consider mm-hmm. in how we approach friendship today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also love the way that, um, that, Ruth and Naomi were friends sort of despite everything that would keep them separate. Um mm. with Ruth as a as being a Moabite and, and Naomi a, an Israelite. That was that was an unnatural friendship certainly mm-hmm. um for that time and place. Mm-hmm. Um but but they forged forged um a deep friendship um covenantal love. Mm-hmm. Yeah even across that border. So right. I think that, you know, we should, um, we could, we can learn from them mm-hmm. um, in terms of our own friendships and how we might cross borders mm. right. to involve ourselves in the lives of mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'd love to discuss that more mm-hmm. here in a little bit about those implications for us today. Yeah. But first just sticking with the yeah, yeah. the theme and biblical, uh, view of what friendship looks like. There's this idea of, uh, even friendship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that famous song, you know, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of a weird reality even to, to think about, to ponder on. And, uh, so I wonder if we could just chat a little bit about, about that, David, do you want to just talk about what exactly it means to be a friend of God? Is mm-hmm. this even a reality mm-hmm. in, in
3: the old Testament? That's mm-hmm. yeah, a great question. So, uh, you're right it there isn't there is a strangeness to it i mean i was i was thinking about so aristotle as i mentioned says you can't have friendship unless you have equality of social station and so he'll go on in that same section to say Um, Friendship can still exist between humans, even in spite of continual losses. But where there is a great gulf as between God and a human, Mm. friendship becomes Mm. impossible. Mm -hmm. So it's just an impossibility in a certain classical philosophical uh, sense. Um, In the Elder Testament, you do have glimpses. You don't get much, but you get glimpses. I mean, Genesis, right? God is creator. God is covenant maker, but not God is friend. Mm -hmm. Although you do uh, retrospectively in Isaiah have a reference to Abraham, my friend, Uh, Isaiah 41. With Moses, which is probably the best known example in, uh, again, the Elder Testament, you have this beautiful picture in the tent of meeting as uh, a site where and I'll quote it here: Exodus thirty-three, eleven. Thus, the Lord sp- used to speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Mm. So, this remarkable glimpse here of conversation face to face, as one speaks with a friend. Yeah. But notice that in that same chapter, uh, verses twenty to twenty-three, Moses is asked to see God's glory, and what does God say? You cannot see my face for no one can see my face and live. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, we've got face to face as one speaks to a friend, which I think we could all recognize as what friendship is. You meet for a coffee, you go for Mm -hmm. a walk, face to face, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You live together. And so there seems to be that between Moses and God and Joshua and God uh, to -hmm. an extent, but then all of a sudden you cannot see my face. And so there's that reminder of the gulf, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah. Mm So we do have a, a quandary uh, coming right. out of the Elder <laughs> Testament. There's a there's a promise and there's a glimpse, but there's also a pretty significant uh, gulf that's mm-hmm. that's there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so then the natural kind of thing is, but then in Christ, right? Does you know what happens? You know, and so the, Jesus says, "I no longer call you servants, but friends, because you do what I command." And so, what are then the implications of of kind of us being friends with Jesus, and therefore? friends with God? And how does, how does that work?
3: Another great question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there are certainly subtleties to what we say, uh, what we mean by, uh, Friendship with God when we talk about the incarnation. Mm. Uh, what I'll just focus on are Jesus's words initially when he says, uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in the context, he says, at one point, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. Mm-hmm. So friendship uh, with Jesus and um, in a in a mysterious and profound sense with God means that there are still requests and commands. So does this, does this undercut the offer of friendship? If Mm. he says, you are my friends, if you do what I command you, I think it's helpful. And a a friend of mine helped me through this actually one of a sermon that he preached on this text. He said, you know, do friends really tell each other what to do? And he says, of course, of course we ask things of our friends and, you know, we expect them to fulfill them. Um, Probably in in the most voluntary possible way. Right. So you don't treat it as a chore or a duty. You do it out of love, out of um, out of friendly commitment. Right. And so there's a way in which it it is natural for us to speak about requests and so on. So when Jesus talks about friendship, at least in his mind, this isn't a this isn't an opposition. What he does talk about, though, what he does offer is a shared mind. So the difference between a friend Mm -hmm. and a a Mm -hmm. servant isn't that there are no commands or requests. It's that they share a mind together. So Jesus may still ask something of you as a friend of Jesus, as a friend of God. Jesus may be excited about the opportunities in the gospel in Kazakhstan or Yemen and Mm -hmm. say, I'll meet you there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: as he did to a friend of mine yeah mm-hmm. um, he wow. may take a an, a concern for a professional rival of yours and ask you to share the gospel with them so there are all kinds of requests jesus may make of you mm-hmm. um but the thing is that he now offers a shared mind i have made known to you everything the father has revealed to me and he's speaking there about the shared mission they've been on so it's knowledge on the way it's not uh it's This isn't an excuse, friendship with Jesus, friendship with God, to grasp at Godhood or knowing all Mm, things or everything about how my life will turn Mm -hmm. out. And that's something that people still seem to want. It's like, when, you know, I can't wait till I meet Jesus because then I'll understand why things happen this way, right? There's this desire for total knowledge and a kind of Godhood, Mm -hmm. I think, that. I don't see really promised in scripture. And instead I see the way of Jesus being a way of, um, of not grasping at Godhood or Mm -hmm. not exploiting Godhood. In fact, um, being willing not to know the outcomes of all things, but, but being willing to share knowledge on the way. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think Jesus is offering here. Mm -hmm. So the way in which we're friends with God is that we're friends with Jesus. And that means we have a partnership in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the disciples, friendship with Jesus looked
1: a little bit different than friendship with Jesus for us today. But Jesus did say, It's better that if I go, because then if I go, I will send the helper. Right. So I guess with that, like what then does friendship with Jesus look like in is is it a disembodied friendship then mm-hmm. or is there an element here that's in play that is embodied how I, does that make sense yeah it does it certainly does yeah. yeah
2: i think that there um i there is a sense in which um we can be like friends with jesus in the body in that mm. we can be we can be um as christ to another mm. so in this sense we can experience yeah friendship the friendship of Jesus in the body by being right. present to mm-hmm. right. to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, well. What do you think about that, David?
3: Yeah, I agree. That's nice. And, you know, Eugene Peterson actually just on the spirit for a moment, you mentioned helper and he translates the the paraclete as the another friend. Mm-hmm. So Peterson right. wants that continuity yeah. between the friend language, Jesus and, and spirit. Uh, but I like, I like where you're going with the question because there is a sense in which friendship is bodily. I mean, this is how we do friendship. We, mm-hmm. we get together and mm-hmm. there is something that's difficult about a long distance friendship where you're not able to be yeah. in the same room mm-hmm. and show so on, not able Absolutely. to share a hug, not able to yeah. um, pray together mm-hmm. with a hand on one shoulder, right. that type of thing. Um, it's interesting that the, the 13th century theologian Thomas Aquinas, he he emphasizes this point about friends living together. So he's he's citing Aristotle here, but he says it's a law of friendship that friends live together. And so Jesus has promised his bodily presence as a reward. So Aquinas is talking about, the life to come. Jesus mm-hmm. will be bodily present with us. Mm. But then he says, in the meantime, he hasn't left us without consolation or mm. without his own bodily mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to talk about communion and mm. say, this is a way in which Jesus says, this is my body, right? This is my blood. He's right. present in right. the body in some profound, mysterious way. Yeah. And you don't have to hold Aquinas' own view of what... Uh, the communion is to believe that there's a real presence here. This is, Mm -hmm. this is in the Reformation tradition, Luther, Calvin, Cramner, there are different ways that this can be played out, but it is a sense that it's, it's bodily presence. Mm. And connecting to what Cindy had to say, Mm -hmm. there is this way in which, how is that body shared? It's shared through what one philosopher calls the inflections of our body mm-hmm. the inflections of our body so you know mm-hmm. you're 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 offering the cup to someone you're uh, receiving the bread from someone mm-hmm. you're learning to negotiate and i love how regent chapel for those of you that have been in regent chapel how um it's without ushers right we all just crowd into the, <laughs> yeah. the aisles and so you have to learn to Move graciously around one another, mm-hmm. right. and you, that was you
2: pre-COVID, yeah, pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah. just nobody's worrying. That we're all very... bumping up <laughs> <laughs> against each other. <laughs> I mean, another time you know, yeah. Yeah. happens when you go back to the
3: 13th century, yeah. <laughs> 2004, and my student days. Yeah. Um, um, right, so you you have a chance to be bodily present to one another mm-hmm. as you're sharing the communion, and that I think is a mm-hmm. profound experience yeah. of Jesus being bodily present. It yeah.
2: Is, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. And since, um, since David, you've taken us back to the 13th century. Yeah. I think Come on, take us, us back. Yeah. yeah we'll go with one you. One more century further back yeah. to yeah. this 12th century. Yep. Yeah. Take us back. Um, and the, the 12th century Cistercian monk, mm-hmm. Albert of Rivo, who wrote a little book called Spiritual Friendship. And he says a beautiful thing, um, in that book he says that spiritual friendship this this is like the definition for me um he says here we are you and i and i hope a third christ is in our midst Mm. so so like those two friends um are present to each other in a in a physical Mm. bodily way but christ is also there Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. so yeah i I think that that's a it's a it's a great image for spiritual friendship mm-hmm. that um, is a shared journey that acknowledges Christ's sort of guiding and redemptive presence mm-hmm. in the midst in the midst of of human love Mm -hmm. yeah
0: Yeah. it's 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 good to kind of thinking on that concept of spiritual friendship because there is lots of talk around spiritual friendship kind of in certain christian circles at the moment sort of what is that is it different to normal right normal friendship like what you know like and i get i don't i don't know what you think about this does it so if if a spiritual friendship is that where there's Mm -hmm. two people and the presence of Mm -hmm. christ does that mean spiritual friendship can exist between any Christians, or is it? Does there need to be sort of an intentional, an intentional awareness of the presence of Christ and the kind of mm. um, communion with Christ with one, you know, with one another for it to be a spiritual friendship? Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, How yeah, do you yeah. think about that?
2: Um, I think there does need to be a, an intentionality yeah. about mm-hmm. it, at least, like. On some level, maybe right. not in every conversation. Um, <laughs> Jesus is here. Yeah, Jesus is here. yeah that's right. that would that would start to get maybe a, a tad odd. Yeah, a third empty yeah. chair. At the table. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Every time, there's always a third chair.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, of course. So lost yeah, the... well, just that there, there does need to be an sort of an intentionality. I think to it, so. But not always, yeah. like not yeah. overtly yeah. necessarily.
2: Because I think that I mean, two Christians can be friendly with each right. other. I, I'm friendly with lots of Christians right. who are not my spiritual friends. Right. That's a that's a much deeper mm-hmm. um and more intentional kind of
0: friendship. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. And there yeah. And like I'm in sort of Wesley Hill and some of the others who are thinking about friendship at the moment are saying we are in a bit of a crisis of friendship, like we don't know how to be friends, you know, friends on Facebook, you know, all of those kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. And we might sort of delve into that a bit more. But this is where history also helps us when we think like how has friendship looked kind of – Historically. Mm-hmm. And so Cindy, do you want to sort of how's how has friendship shifted and changed? And you yeah. could kind of obviously you could take this in a bunch of different directions, but I could say take a it, lot. Take it whatever ready. direction you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> teach a whole course on friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, exactly. <laughs> um
2: I think maybe I, I mean it, it's a big question, a complicated question. I think um I think the nature of friendship hasn't necessarily changed. Right know um the deep care uh mm. love for another mm-hmm. that hasn't changed significantly but i do think that the value that we place on friendship right. has changed a lot um we don't we don't put the time into many of our friendships that um that people did in the past mm-hmm. um and it's made friendship today uh quite a fragile relationship Mm -hmm. very often. Um, also Mm. a fleeting relationship. Uh, we let friendships die for lack of notice. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, most of my work has been, um, done in 18th century Britain. Mm. Um, and, uh, in my work in that period, in that, in that place, um, kinship and friendship ties were were very much interwoven um so that even mm. the terms of kinship and friendship were flexible and um shifting there was slippage yeah. so that somebody who uh was in no way related to mm. um A young girl. So one of my research subjects, her name is Catherine Talbot and she cared deeply for a young girl called Julia after Julia's father died. Um, and she called Julia, my daughter, my Julia. Um, Mm. but Julia's mother was still living and and that was not a threat in any way. Mm -hmm. At another point, Catherine Talbot refers to all your mamas and grandmamas. Mm -hmm. So like this, like kind of wealth of relationships that, um, that uh sustained Julia um, as she was a child um people also they didn't live necessarily just with the nuclear family right. there'd yeah. be well. other people coming into the home all the time or living long term in the home be that a friend or um so another one of my research subjects her name was Ann Cater Steele in the 18th mm-hmm. century such a great um, name Ann mm-hmm. Cater yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. She kept a diary that, um, I could talk to you a long time about it. Mm. It's, um, uh, it's an amazing document. Um, but she was very concerned with the, uh, spiritual sort of life of, of people, um, within her extended family. And so, she would have at one point. There were three nieces from three different branches of the family living in the home, mm-hmm. um, mm. and she was caring for them in a in sort of as a spiritual mother mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm. Um, yeah. So. Mm. Uh, I don't yeah, know, it's begun. Yeah. Begun to answer the but question. Yeah, it has. No, it's good.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Cindy. It, it sort of seems like what you're touching on there is this kind of idea that. What constitutes family, and therefore what constitutes friendship, is is different, and I, mean, I think it's probably safe to say that in in some situations, um, marriage has perhaps been elevated um as the primary relationship sort of over and above friendship where the, the sort of the primary place where we're seen and and known and loved and some would say perhaps marriage has been idolized in in that sense um but then there's such a thing as covenantal friendship as well um which there's a there's a commitment then to someone which you do get in marriage but you don't always get in friendship and so I wondered Cindy if you could speak into that for us a little bit Um, and also knowing that David and Nick are both married and and you and I are both not married but talk to us a little bit about those dynamics around marriage and family and friendship and the reconstituting of those things yeah absolutely yeah Yeah.
2: well yeah first of all one of the things that I love about um, studying history, being a historian is history's capacity to surprise us, right? Mm -hmm. I love it when, um, when I discover in my study of history that things haven't always been the way that they are now. So right now, a lot of people, you know, I've talked to people, I think that for a long time, I assumed this as well, that marriage and the family, the nuclear family were biblically the primary relationship that we should care about um and friendship was maybe a distant second Mm -hmm. um but in my study of history that that has not always been the case right um so in the 18th century as i have begun you know just Mm -hmm. began to to indicate um friendship was was an incredibly important relationship um and there are many instances of friends vowing to be with each other right. as Ruth and Naomi well, did, right. you know, back in mm-hmm. the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are, there's language that historians use to, to describe that kind of relationship um, in 19th century America, um, that kind of like bonded friendship mm-hmm. between women were called Boston marriages. Um, that's how mm. historians um, think about them mm-hmm. in the past. So um, this was in you know, no way a sexual relationship, but mm. it allowed um, women to, to, find a, to live a different kind of life um, mm. by relying on each other and not on a man mm-hmm. um, to sustain and support them. Right. In 18th century Britain, uh, that same kind of relationship was called. So historians um, look back at those sorts of bonded, mm-hmm. committed relationships as romantic friendship. Mm. Um, so even in that term, romantic friendship, you can see the sort of straining of, of terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you right. know, in a way that uh, we don't think about today. Mm-hmm. Um, in our sort of rush to celebrate romantic love we we like move too quickly um over friendship
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no. david you have thoughts on on that
3: yeah, I don't. I don't like when any one particular form of life is elevated above no, others. I think yeah. that they have different ends, different teloi. and yeah. so I wouldn't want to. I, I do hear some people sort of elevating friendship above marriage, right. then and yeah. saying, "Well, this Same, is yeah. you know Jesus teaches there's no marriage in right. the resurrection, so friendship is really our our ultimate end, right. and so marriage is the temporal mm-hmm. one. Ter- friendship, uh, friendship has no vows, term limited by death, as one person puts it. Yeah. Right, and so I would prefer to give each form of life its distinct honor you yeah, know and appreciate sure. that for what yeah. it is mm-hmm. um, mm. but I do I do agree with Cindy on on the importance of covenantal friendship and I've I when I was in min, in ministry as a pastor I brought these scriptural examples of Ruth and Naomi and David and Jonathan into view and said, mm. you know, I think a deeper form is required, but I didn't know the history. And so mm. it's been delightful to learn um, from Cindy how in mm. Christian history this has indeed been uh, exampled.
0: No, that's good. No, and I appreciate you sort of saying, yeah, it's not, you don't want to flip the binary, right? No, that's always sure. the problem, right? Yeah. It's like if this has been elevated, therefore we're going to elevate this. And it's like, well, that doesn't work. As you say, giving yeah. each stage its own honour and seeing the gift and opportunity and joy. Yeah. Um yeah, in both.
1: You brought up Ruth and Naomi and Jonathan and David and the Boston marriages mm-hmm. as well. And it, um, do you think that men and women can be friends?
0: What an excellent question, Nick. I'm just going to say absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what about married men and single women? Absolutely. So there's that, so there's, yeah, so there's there's a couple of dynamics there, isn't there? There's mm-hmm. the men and women. And then there's the married women, single men, married men, single women kind of dynamics. Um, yeah. What thoughts on that?
3: It's a great question and a really pertinent one. I yeah. think it's one that I've thought about um, throughout my life. And it's one, I, I actually really appreciate how Elred of Riveau, to go back yes. to him, he, he, in talking about, he's talking about Genesis one and he, Talks about the it is not good for man to be alone. And when he speaks about the creation of Eve, he actually speaks about this uh and and draws from it a lesson for friendship. So he said, This is a property of friendship. I'm quoting him here. There exists neither superior nor inferior. And that's a that's a wonderful thing for Elred to say, because of course the superior-inferior thing is something that meant that Aristotle thought men and women couldn't be friends. Even, Mm -hmm. even Montaigne years later, didn't really think you could have friendship between men and women. So I think
2: CS Lewis in the last Mm -hmm. century. Right. Yeah. Okay.
3: So yeah, you've got, you've got um, a significant pedigree here (laughs) thinking that this is not, not quite (laughs) possible for questions of um, equality and station in life. So I'm, I'm, delighted to say that I found it to not be that way, that, um, that certainly, um, men and women meet as equals. And that is a wonderful space for, Mm -hmm. uh, friendship to develop. It is worth saying a word about attraction. And it's worth saying that, uh, both with respect to men and women, but also with respect to men and men and women Mm -hmm. and women, Mm -hmm. this is something that Wesley Hill writes powerfully about in spiritual friendship. When he talks about a, a pastor who'd, uh, Counseled him and said Mm -hmm. to him, You know, Wesley, we need men who are mature enough not to freak out when their gay friend has a crush on them. Mm -hmm. And so we need the maturity Mm -hmm. to be able to work that out Mm -hmm. as friends and as community. So I think that that's important to be able to do Mm -hmm. and not to set up artificial rules, um, around Mm, friendship. That said, I do think that, um, one needs to be Mm self-aware. One needs to be aware of attraction as it develops Mm -hmm. and probably be connected to people who can, I mean, by self-aware, I mean, not introspection, Mm -hmm. but someone feeding back to you. So, uh, self-awareness comes through counsel. It comes through spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. It comes through pastoral relationships. And so you've got to be clear that it 's not a it 's not a pseudo friendship that right. is really a way for you to um, play out your actual attraction for the person and hope that right. it will become something else right, right, right and right. then it becomes um, it can become manipulative so mm-hmm. you have to be careful for that and mm-hmm. for those who are in ministry especially but in all forms of life i mean this is the me too era that's that way for important reasons and we do need to be clear about boundaries sandra wheeler and sustaining ministry i think has some really good things Mm -hmm. to say about boundaries Mm -hmm. for relationships um especially for people in public ministry Yeah. yeah yeah right
2: yeah i would just add um i i think we need to be wise in all of our relationships yeah um mm-hmm. but i i would say there's no reason to be fearful and sometimes when right. we set up these rules right. um around what uh, men and women can do mm-hmm. together where they can be together mm-hmm. um i feel i i feel like those rules are are set up from a posture of of fear mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. seems like there's a lot of anxiety about cross sex friendship mm-hmm. um And some of us have been influenced by purity culture Mm -hmm. as well, um, which might make us wary about friendship between the sexes um, and and the, and the supposed danger Mm -hmm. of those types of relationships. But I just think that that keeps us from so much, um, uh, we rob ourselves. Mm. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. It prevents us from enjoying and benefiting from friendships with those who are different from ourselves. Yes, yeah, totally. Um, mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is another way. Like, you know, it's crossing a boundary again. Um, mm. Right. It's Extend- yeah. extending a hand mm-hmm. over a boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that we can do that both ways. Mm-hmm. Totally.
3: It also means that you don't um, maybe come to know, how do I want to put this? How to know certain systemic issues um, from the inside or from personal relatedness. Um, Mm. So, in my case, I remember when I was doing my doctoral work in the UK, there was a report released from Durham University on how careers in theology and religious studies. typically went for women and it gave some of the data on uh, inequalities that continue to exist. And so I knew some of this and I I co-presented it with um, a female colleague there and so on. And so I I can know about certain systemic issues or causes and yet I don't, Personally, no. I mean, there's a lot I I just can't know about that as a man who who comes to the academy in a different way. But through friendship uh, with Cindy in particular, um, I'm able to see her experience and just trace that for what it is Mm -hmm. and find out more about what what may be required in the future. This connects a bit with friendship ethics and politics, Mm -hmm. but it is something that I think if men and women aren't friends – then you can potentially be blind to some of the totally, ways that, yes. you know, um, our structures just are difficult or people experience them differently, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. And I've sure been grateful to David for wanting to listen, mm-hmm. for listening well. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt this wonderful conversation, but Claire Perini has something really important she'd like to share with you.
0: Thanks, Nick. I do have something very important to say. Firstly, it's to say thank you to the number of people who listen to the podcast, and they they like the podcast so much that they send us emails to let us know, or little donations of cashola. Mm. So, um, so thank you for those who are who have been supporting the podcast. But if you've been listening to the podcast and you've been thinking, oh, I wonder how Nick gets paid. <laughs> no, <laughs> cut, that cut that out. out. <laughs> 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 so if you've been listening to the podcast and you've appreciated some of the conversations that we've had, we would love you to, to let Regent know by sending us an email or sending us a donation. And you can do that on the Regent College website if you go to rgnt.net R-G-N-T forward slash give. That's r-g-n-t forward slash give.
1: What a great American, North American accent.
0: Or like some sort of weird <laughs> hybrid accent.
1: Yeah. Uh wonderful. And if you do give a donation, would you please tell them the podcast sent you?
0: Thanks for listening and for your support. We hope you enjoy the rest of our conversation.
1: Well, we've been talking about friendship um, more kind of on an individual level with uh, people we're, we're close to and connected with, covenantal friendship. Um, but does friendship play a part in the political arena or even in ethics for that matter? And I know that's kind of a loaded question, but if it
3: does, um, how, how does that, how does that play out? Mm. That's great. I went into theology and ethics because I like loaded questions. So thank you for that one. Let's go back to Jesus, the night he's giving his farewell discourse, and he gives this um, astonishing offer of friendship, right? But then shortly thereafter says, uh, if the world hated me, it will hate you also. And he goes on to talk about a reality of persecution for them. Mm-hmm. And then notice what happened. And then what does he do? He doesn't say, let's have a weekend retreat uh, mm-hmm. or doesn't try to beat St. Benedict to the punch and take them outside the city to form an alternative community, (laughs) right? He gets himself hauled before the Mm -hmm. governor of the day and says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Mm. So he talks about his his group of friends in Mm. the truth. And then the crowd understands that there's a, a loyalty issue here because the crowd, when they're trying to persuade the governor to kill him, say if you let this man go you are no friend of the emperor Mm. no friend Mm. of the emperor and the term is deliberate never
0: noticed that
3: yeah so friendship with jesus could well mean estrangement right in the world not not necessarily a tactical withdrawal or retreat but Mm. estrangement Mm -hmm. in speaking truth to power and so I think we already see that for Jesus, friendship is political. I think he knows that. But he's also Mm. speaking and John is writing against a backdrop of classical Greek and Roman thought. And so Aristotle certainly um, sees this. Cicero, first century BC, great Roman statesman, uh, wrote, wrote one of our most enduring essays on friendship. They understood this. Aristotle, for example, his ethics, he devotes two chapters out of 10 to friendship. How to make friends when mm. to break it off mm-hmm. all these all these questions that's what his ethics is about mm-hmm. not necessarily hard case decisions and so on um yeah so and i'll just I'll quote him here briefly because mm-hmm. I think this is a powerful line Aristotle says quote friendliness is considered to be justice in the fullest sense justice wow. in the fullest sense and then he goes on to say uh friendship between citizens of the state is what makes for political concord because it's concerned with their interests and living conditions. Mm. So there's something about being friends together right. that yeah. has an ethical component or indeed friendship is uh, a form of ethics mm-hmm. and that's something that you know will discern together how to play out in yeah. our current current mm-hmm. situation but it in terms of historical understanding and late modern thinking, it's often seen as intimate or maybe private as a relationship. Yeah, the, ex- right. the external world is alienating, and so I'm able to retreat and, and be with my friends, and that's not the understanding Jesus is working with, mm-hmm. and that's not the understanding of the Greco-Roman background to yeah. his, his work. Yeah. That's right. Wow.
0: And it sort of pushes against that sort of tribalism thing too. Right? It's do- or does it? Like that, that's where my mind goes. It's like, great, yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do politics and ethics with our friends, people who all think like us right. and right. behave like us and think these are the most important things. And so, I, I don't, like, I don't know if I'm extrapolating here, but there's a there's an extent to which if I'm if I'm crossing boundaries with mm-hmm, friends and yep. I'm talking to people who are not. And I'm friends with people who don't think like me. Yeah. yeah, you do. You I don't know. Does that sort of guard against the tribalism thing in the kind of political, ethical kind of arena? I don't know. Thoughts on that?
3: I think that's absolutely right. I think that um, we need to ask ourselves. You know, do my friendships. Just reflect yeah. my socioeconomic standing, right. yeah. my ethnic background, Absolutely. et cetera, yeah. uh, my skin color, mm-hmm. right? So, if they do, it's worth asking. You know, do the do my friendships express the breadth of the gospel, which mm. is the the, the oneness in Christ in which there is neither Jew nor Greek enslaved nor mm-hmm. free person, uh, male and female. And so am I able to be friends with those who are different than me mm-hmm. and be enriched by that yeah. and enrich in turn?
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that it's, it's easier to be friends with somebody who looks like you, you yeah. know, who has the same Thinks background like you, yeah. as you. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we we rob ourselves, I think, if we limit ourselves to, to people who um, have the same story as us who mm-hmm. are just going to agree with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Right. Uh, we have so much to learn from each other. Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Definitely. It's very easy for uh, uh, themes like, Racial justice or even truth and reconciliation to become abstractions. Right. And yes. they're not that. I mean, it's remarkable that Indigenous people in Canada have pursued a truth commission. I mean, that was that was their request. Mm-hmm. And they want relationships based in the truth mm-hmm. and yes. that are reconciled. And that seems to me to be a remarkable opportunity mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm everyone and you know you need to be very careful again this is where self-awareness comes in this isn't about virtue signaling and it's not about mm. tokenism mm-hmm. um, because yes. real systemic issues are at play but personal friendship yeah uh, if if you try to deal with this as a systemic issue alone or you mm. take it on as a cause mm-hmm. and you're not able to actually have a personal friendship mm-hmm. um, with someone for whom you're advocating yeah then there's something seriously missing, I think, yeah, in absolutely. the politics that's yep. going to arise, and it's going to not have that humanness that yeah. um, is required. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The The Jewish political theorist Hannah Arendt has a nice line about this when she talks about recovering humanness in a world becoming inhuman. And yeah. she's, of course, writing, um, she's a very sophisticated. Uh, knowledge of the rise of totalitarianism and she's writing against this Mm -hmm. dynamic and she talks about a German and a Jew as friends and the importance of not just talking about an abstract common humanity or something like that these are the terms Mm -hmm. that are under fire and so this is where our friendship holds and that's where costly friendship that's where this notion of covenant and so on comes in it actually becomes Even a stronger witness to the current political or structural forces that might drive it apart Mm -hmm. or mean that this shouldn't be happening, that these two are friends. And she says, nevertheless, we say to one another, a German and a Jew and friends.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Love it. In an attempt
1: to develop these friendships, both deeper friendships as well as costly and even non preferential friendships as well yeah what questions would you have for somebody trying to to move into this
0: kind of ties into the self-awareness thing you were talking about isn't it like it's kind of like what like sort of yeah what questions are we asking ourselves in our sort Mm -hmm. of pursuit of friends Mm -hmm. what should we be asking ourselves
3: there's something about friendship that can't be articulated or that can't really be examined. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's something beautiful about it. That's where going back to the start where my parents prayed for friends for me. Right. I think that prayer for friends is a, Mm -hmm. is a wonderful thing to do, but not, not too much calculation about who might be a friend. Um, I think of uh, Michel de Montaigne, the French essayist who wrote on friendship and he has a wonderful line in the essay where he says, if I'm pressed and he's, He's a very articulate man. He's founder of the essay form uh, by some accounts. He says, When pressed to say why I love him, my friend, I can only reply, parce que c'était lui, parce que c'était moi. So, because it was him, because it was me. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's
3: just something to being together Mm -hmm. that um, means that you're friends and you can't Mm -hmm. describe or explain it in any other way. So, I. I think in a way, being able to receive that um, from God, the God who in Christ calls us friends, but also calls us to one another, Mm. there's something that's to be received as gift. And one certainly can have questions around that, but um, I suppose I would just wanna say that it's something there to be received Mm. and something that's beautifully particular in how two persons Mm -hmm. um, are together. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I hope I'm not taking this off in too much of a different direction. Um, but I think to be close to somebody, like personally close to somebody, there does have to be an element of attraction, which by which I don't mean romantic attraction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're drawn to another person because of what you see in them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and maybe even a sort of wanting to be more like them. Mm. Um, but, but I also think that um, that doesn't need to, like, exist every single day. So, um, yeah, you know, friends are going to have off days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that – so we shouldn't rely on that ongoing attraction mm-hmm. once, yeah. once you've – once we've become friends in order to maintain that friendship. Right. Yeah. And that's where, um, again, I, I think that some, like – Commitment to another person mm-hmm. is um, is necessary to sustain friendship through yeah. through difficult times, mm-hmm. um, and even when you're like in a different city from them, um, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I would also add that that friendship, I think, has been neglected um, mm-hmm. for a good long time. I think maybe I, I can even say in particular in the evangelical church. Mm. Um, But there is, there's a rising interest in friendship on all kinds of fronts. Yeah, totally. Um, You know, in, in novels, Mm. in, um, in, in theater. um, Mm -hmm. And even if you like, read the Atlantic or the guardian or, or something like that there, you know, the number of, of stories about friendship,
3: mm-hmm. asking
2: probing questions about friendship. Right. Um, it, it's really, it's, I mean, I notice it far more right. now, mm-hmm. like it's really rising. Um, so I think that we are at an interesting, an interesting point. And, um, I think it existed prior to COVID, but I think that COVID has yeah, shed, totally. uh, a bright light mm-hmm, right. on on the way that we have um we've treated friendship too cheaply mm-hmm. yeah. in the past yep. mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah it's like the desire for belonging for loyalty to be known has yes. never never faded yes it's never wane and yeah. so it, yeah yeah that's, it's kind of the, maybe that cry yeah. in the midst of this cultural moment of yes. to become friends absolutely once again.
2: yes and to feel to feel that connection mm. yeah and i i mean I felt it acutely as a single woman mm-hmm. during the early months of COVID mm-hmm. when um, all of the the public health directives were, um, you know, uh, limit your contacts to your immediate household. Mm-hmm. Well, I live alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt that poignantly, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. painfully mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for months. Yeah. The directive, you know, stay home, save lives, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. kept me from from relationship, yeah.
0: yeah,
3: yeah. And picking up briefly on what Cindy had to say about you know going through hardship mm-hmm. as friends, mm-hmm. and then this mention of of COVID as well. And you can put this in the bonus materials if you like. There's no <laughs> time, but uh, <clears throat> you know, the, arguably the Bible's greatest example of friendship is the Book of Job, mm-hmm. and. This is a point that Victor Lee Austin makes in yeah. his excellent new book on friendship, uh, because Job's friends, first of all, they show up when everything goes wrong and they sit with him for a week without trying to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. And I can you imagine taking a week off yeah, of your job totally to go sit with someone yeah. and be with them? But then Job starts saying things like, annul the day I was born. And this creates disagreement among the friends and they disagree for the entire book and to have a book about friends disagreeing is pretty remarkable mm. it shows that right not only this is friendship through hardship but also friendship through disagreement and mm-hmm. profound disagreement mm-hmm. But then they're there at the end to celebrate with his him at his restoration. It doesn't, the mm. disagreement and the hardship doesn't fracture the friendship mm-hmm. it it maintains mm-hmm. throughout. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it really is an example. I think Victor is right to bring that up as an example that's, um, you know, they're typically a byword, right? They're the miserable comforters and mm-hmm. so on. They're right. wrong about it. They're even wrong. Mm-hmm. And we can say that, but we can also say, right, but they were solid friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they were there. They were there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly totally and present
2: yeah yeah thanks david that's a great yeah that's
0: a great example mm-hmm. friends if i can call you that Friends. <laughs> of <course> you can. <laughs> thanks so much for helping yeah. us think about this uh, again in just deep beautiful mm-hmm. thoughtful biblical theological historical personal ways thanks thank so much you. for your time
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you it's fun it's
0: a pleasure it's always fun thanks, come guys. again
3: Delighted. Yeah. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and
0: more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is r-g-n-t dot net.